We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. And welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast, our first training camp edition of the 2019 season. Aaron, man, the Bears are camping. Uh, that means football's just under a week away. It, it's very, 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 very surprising and very nice that we almost have football to talk about. I mean, obviously, it's not quite the regular season, but, I mean, camp's here, um, although the Camp schedule is a little weird this year. I, I, I'm not wrong yeah. on that, right? I mean, it, it seems kind of weird. Like, I was counting the days, and there's only actually eight days of training camp that fans can come and see. And then there's the family day. Like, and it seems like the schedule gets just smaller and smaller every year for when they're actually at Bourbon A. Yeah, and it's kind of flown by, actually, too. I mean, like, what, it'll be a week on Thursday that they've actually reported. Uh, and the practices, they had four – yeah, they had – uh, what was it friday saturday sunday monday tuesday so five straight but only three of them were actually open to the public and yeah you're right i mean it's it's kind of shrinking there's not a lot of opportunities for fans to come down uh to training camp left but it's it, i'm just glad it's it's finally here we actually you know have some football to talk to and then next thursday the first preseason game but you know we're recording this on wednesday there's football coming very shortly Thank God. I, I, I think uh, I, I think you definitely agree that it's it's definitely time. I mean, obviously, we've dissected the life out of the kicking situation. We've dissected the life out of this entire offseason. Uh, man, it's just it's going to be nice to see 
actual football back, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's going to be a situation where we're probably not going to see a lot of the Bears starters, which I think we kind of know at this point. But I also think that there's enough going on behind the scenes outside of the 22 starters that will be on the field uh, to where it's actually it, – there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff going on. I mean, obviously, receiver. We'll, we'll get into it more, but I think just overall – the excitement around this team, um, you know, keep making sure guys stay healthy, I think, is going to be one of the big things. But just kind of seeing how some of these reserves are playing out. Because, again, I mean, it's 2019. The Bears have pretty much got their starters nailed down for this year. We kind of have a pretty good idea who's going to be on the roster in general uh, outside of maybe, what, seven to ten spots. But at the same time, I think it's also a situation where you can kind of get a glimpse into the future. Because, again, I mean, you, you, even when you're talking about some of these rookies, they may not have prominent roles this year, even a Riley Ridley, a Deuce Shelley, guys like that. But those are going to be guys that they were drafted with the expectation that they would contribute down the line. So I always use camp, especially as the Bears have gotten better. You always you always want to use camp to kind of get a glimpse into the future, get a glimpse into some of the development that's going on uh, behind the scenes with you know reserves that maybe not will not see the field a lot um, during the regular season, barring an injury. But just to kind of get an idea of exactly where the Bears are at right now and maintaining that talent level. Because, again, I mean, we've talked about it multiple times. I mean, it's going to get to a point where the Bears are going to have to stop signing uh, free agents for, for the most part. You know, big big money free agents. And also, they're not going to be able to keep all their guys. So a lot of the development and a lot of the ways that they're going to be able to keep good um, over you know a, a long period of time is going to be the development of some of these younger guys. Yeah, and a lot of these younger guys, you know, in camp for the first time, you know, they they, they did have the rookie OTAs and in the uh, OTA sessions. But, yeah, I mean, camp's just kind of a different breed. You're actually in front of a crowd. You're competing. Um, the ones are going against the ones. Sometimes they're going against the twos. Um, and, and you and I talked about it before. There's not really, you know, any position battles outside of the kicker and maybe um, a couple backup spots. But, you know, so far through camp, it's it's been good. I mean, the weather's been good besides one day where it rained. Um, the fans are legit excited. I mean, they had Saturday, the opening day, I believe there was over 8K, 8,000 people that showed up. Um, there was Sunday was, yeah, 8,000. And even Monday when we were there, it was raining the entire time. I mean, there wasn't 8,000, but I think I want to quote, there was over 5,000 fans there. It's just like, you can, it's just, you can feel the atmosphere. Like it, you can feel the excitement around this team is, it's just, I've never, you know, I've been going to camp since probably 2007, um, you know, as a fan and a media member. And it's just been like, you know, this is just, there's a buzz and, and the fans want to be there to see it. And, you know, everyone's watching practice. It's not like everyone's just hanging out for autographs the entire time, like in years past, Everyone's watching practice or dissecting practice. I mean, you've seen – look on Twitter. There's been so many fans talking about training camp, whether it's it's, it's blogs or, or um, media members or just fans there that are, are just kind of jotting down what they see. I mean, the coverage has been great, and it's just – you know, it's just a cool buzz to kind of feel when you're there. Well, I mean, it's, it's like we talk about multiple times. I mean, when the Bears are good, it's good for the NFL. It's good for the fans. It's good for the city, man. It, it's so – it's so awesome because I can remember four years ago, it was John Fox's first year. I remember going to camp and being there for the weekend. And I, I want to say the draws were like 1,500, 2,000 people, you know, maybe 3,000. Uh, then usually I'd go opening weekend when there was a ton of people. And then I think two years ago when I was there, it was it was a little bit better uh, just because it was Trubisky's first camp. But I still want to say like the highest amount that, that they got was maybe four or 5,000. I mean, 
8,000 or 8,500, which I think it was pretty close to uh, the, the opening day. I mean, that's unreal, man. I mean, that's but that just goes to show you there, there's just something – I don't know, man. There's just something that feels different this year. There's just something that feels different as much as – as much as the national media has been negative, uh, as as much as some of the you know some of these people covering outside teams or whatever it is or just outside fan bases in general kind of view the Bears moving into the season as the 2017 Jaguars or 2018 Jaguars, I guess you know those two years. There's just something. There's just something different. I don't know what it is. Uh, there's a very positive vibe around this team. They look like they're having fun. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of fans out there. There's an unreal amount of talent on this team. I mean, outside of, let's just say, you know, a mass amount of injuries or something seriously goes wrong, I mean, there is no reason why the Bears should not at least live up to expectations of being a Super Bowl contender, getting into the playoffs, winning a playoff game or two. I mean, it's just, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I was doing, I was, I was actually doing some, uh, my yearly record predictions, and I usually run through the, uh, I run through a simulator usually four or five times manually and kind of go through and, and at first I thought, I was like, you know, maybe the NFC North is going to be a little closer than I get her credit for. And granted, it's only been one time run through. I'll run it through a few more times. But at least in my opinion, maybe this is a little biased, but at least in my opinion, I mean, the Bears are still clearly the best team in the NFC North. And I think there is absolutely an argument that can be made that they're the best team in the NFC right now. I know a lot of people may say the Saints, the Eagles, or the Rams. And I, I would definitely say things are close. But I think that there's absolutely an argument to be made for the Bears being the most complete team in the NFC and maybe the most talented team in the NFC. Yeah, and to kind of go along with your hype, this is a little out there, but dude, like I, w- I got the new Madden early. I pre-ordered it. I get it every year. Every year is one of my favorite games. The crap out of it with the Bears in my free time so far. And it's just like, it's crazy to see like, yeah, you know, the fans are excited, but like, like in a video game, the Bears are actually good too, which is just like it's awesome. And and you know, I always kind of it's kind of a weird thing, but like you know, when I do play those video games, I'm kind of like, okay, everyone you go online, everyone uses the Patriots, or everyone you know, one year, everyone's using the Vikings because they're good, the Packers. But it's like I feel like everyone's gonna be using the Bears this year because they're so good. I mean, they have a lot of good players. Their overall is not good in the game, but um, yeah, it's just it's crazy. And I agree, like the excitement is there all around. Like seeing those fans at training camp and seeing them just the lines how long i mean dude practice starts at 8 15 there was a line to still get into the side when practice was going on at like 8 40 a.m like they're still filing people in the bleachers are packed uh i mean you've been there you've seen there's a giant hill that was packed um and, and the way they have it set up is there's four fields three consecutively and then one off to the side and it's like even when they're on the far field like the fans are wrapping around to the other fields just to kind of get a look at it. And it's, it's crazy. Cause like national media is there. There's a couple of big national reporters there this week. Um, TV's national or NFL network's been there. It's, it's wild, man. Um, it, it's, it's just crazy to see. And I hope, you know, I hope, and I, and I, my prediction is I feel like there's something special going on this year. You can just feel that vibe with this team. I don't think, they can, you know, let a letdown happen. Like th- this group of guys, in my eyes, aren't going to let that happen. It's, it's just a cool feeling um, to kind of experience it. And we'll get a, in a little more to that um, on training camp general. But uh, Aaron and I have a very good show for you. We have a great guest that's going to join us, um, an interview we recorded with uh, Brett Coleman, who does a great job breaking down film all across the NFL. He's done a couple Bears videos already. More recently, he did Eddie Jackson last year. Um, and then his 
most recent Bears one was Mitchell Trubisky a few weeks ago, the good, the bad, the ugly. And when you listen to our interview, if you've seen the video, I think it's a great breakdown of, of what Trubisky is, um, what his potential is, and what he's shown um, you know, so far in his two years going into his third season. You guys will really enjoy that interview with Brett. And then after that, Aaron and I will break down training camp a little bit more. Uh, maybe touch a little bit on uh, what we expect for the preseason because I kind of have an interesting uh, kind of question in three I want to run by you, Aaron, about uh, about preseason football. Uh, before we do all that, though, we're going to get our first ad read. After the ad read, we'll go right into the interview, and then we'll talk a little more about training camp. Uh, so we'll be right back after this. The regular season is right around the corner, and while we know it's easy money betting the Bears to crush the Packers on opening night in Week 1, most bets are much harder and require far more knowledge of the NFL landscape. That's where Razor Sport comes in. Razor Sport uses exclusive proven algorithms with a stable of assets. When you sign up for Razor, you're guaranteeing yourself the kind of world-class betting advantage that the average gambler just can't get. And here's the best part. Just for being a listener of the Bear Report, you can experience this Razor Sport for free. Yep, for free. You can get it today without spending a dime. Just go to Razorsport.com right now for a free Razor members trial. They win. They prove it. Now it's time you win. That's Razorsport, R-A-Z-E-R, sport.com. Sign up right now, free, and start winning like the pros today. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is a very special guest. We're welcoming in Brett Coleman, who does some great work on YouTube with his film breakdowns. He has a channel called The Film Room where he's breaking down uh, NFL players constantly. Really good work. Brett, thanks for joining Aaron and I. Sure. Happy to be here. Yeah, we we saw your uh, Trubisky video that you released a couple weeks back. And, um, you know, we kind of thought, yeah, we got to get this guy on the podcast because we really thought your analysis was fair. Uh, Before we kind of get into the Trubisky stuff, can you kind of give us like a background of how you got into maybe um, film study how long it takes you to kind of do one film study, and and to be honest, why why do you do it? Well, I mean, I, I do it because I love it. Uh, you know, this is this is the best job that I've ever had. Luckily, I've been able to kind of make a career out of it over the last couple of years, uh, thanks to my wife that kind of kept us afloat on one income for the <laughs> first year till till it kind of took off a little bit during last season. But um, you know, it, it, it's a lot of hours. To answer one of your questions, I would say during the season, I'm putting in between 60 to 70, sometimes closer to 80 hours in a single week. Those are the really hard ones where, you know, maybe I'm doing a quarterback breakdown, um, which in a single week is it's hard to it's hard to do that in one week because quarterbacks always take longer. Uh, so I, I kind of dread doing those weeks. But um, typically it's probably somewhere between 60 to 70 hours total. Between, you know, watching film, figuring out exactly what the film is telling me, kind of noticing patterns in it, picking out plays that I think highlight the general patterns that I saw, um, stuff that is, you know, clear enough that I can succinctly uh, explain it to maybe people that aren't familiar with some of the terminology that I'm using. Uh, You know, some examples are better than others in terms of which ones work visually and with audio at the same time so it's it's hard to choose those sometimes and then you know i got to write a script which takes probably a whole day because most of those are probably about eight pages and then i'm recording and cutting down audio and then cutting video to that like it is 
definitely more than a full-time job. <laughs> uh, in terms of how I got started with it, you know, th this channel started as kind of a proof of concept for a segment that I wanted to do on NFL Network back when I worked there uh, on the production side. I was kind of using these videos as pitches uh, to my producers. You know, it, back then, you know, they were thinking maybe the format wouldn't be best for TV, which they were probably right. You know, it's it's kind of hard to do this for for TV, at least the format of, of basic cable TV. Um, but, you know, I kind of stuck with it. I love doing it. The channel grew naturally without me really even trying. I mean, this was, again, this is like a side project for my actual job, my day job. And, you know, it grew to the point where my wife was like, maybe you should just do that. <laughs> and so took a chance on it. And two and a half years later, here we are. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you have over uh, 184,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube and you also do a Patreon channel, too. So it's kind of crazy to see how it's grown over um, the past couple months. Um, and then obviously recently, you know, you did you did do an Eddie Jackson one um, and I believe was it October, November. Um, I know it was it was like the week before that weird ass loss to the Giants. I, I remember that. Oh, yeah. It, it, Everybody blame me for cursing them. You know, it's kind of a running gag on the channel, the Coleman curse. Every time I do a video on somebody, they get hurt or their team loses or their career's over. You know, something terrible happens. And lo and behold, I thought the Bears would be safe doing it the week before the Giants game. But uh, the curse has no mercy. Yeah, that's uh, that's well, I mean, Bears, Bears fans, including myself, like to like to blame everybody for any time they lose but i'm kind of interested because like we, we talked a little bit before we actually jumped on and started recording and you know i've been a big fan and i know zach has been too and i know a lot of people um just football fans in general or are, are big fans of you because like you said you break things down so well and you don't even really have to be that much into the game of football to really understand what you're talking about because you break things down so well. But I'm kind of curious to let's just dive into the Trubisky thing a little bit because, you know, as we all know, it's it's kind of one of those things that seems like, you know, Bears fans, uh, Bears media, probably a little higher on Trubisky than the majority of the national media is outside of maybe like Lewis Riddick. Uh, but I feel like you really nailed the Trubisky evaluation almost to a T. I mean, there really wasn't much that I disagreed with at all, but I'm kind of curious to get your perspective moving into year three. What do you think is a realistic expectations in terms of his mechanics? Is that something that's been an issue for a while? His lower body mechanics, like you pointed out, his footwork, his hips. What's a realistic expectation in terms of turning that around to make him a more consistent quarterback? You know, it, it's tough to say because he hasn't started that many games since he was a teenager. Uh, so you could say that he's still highly, highly, highly inexperienced. He's one of the most inexperienced first round picks. I mean, that I can remember uh, at the quarterback position. So he's, he's definitely going to be growing and kind of changing a lot more than your typical young quarterback, you know, compare it to maybe Baker Mayfield, who was also a top two pick, but you kind of knew what you were getting with Baker. I mean, the dude played for five years in college and started games in every single year since he was a true freshman at Texas Tech. Like, he developed a lot. You saw him for half a decade before he even got in the league. Mitch had, like, 13 games. So you do expect, you know, maybe 2019 Mitch to be vastly different than 2018 Mitch, which was different than 2017 Mitch. As for where his mechanics are going to go, that's really hard to say because 
with most pro quarterbacks, kind of once they're in the NFL, you know, whatever their mechanics are, generally that's what they're going to be. You know, it's really hard to get them out of habits that they've had their entire lives. Look at Philip Rivers as a classic example. I'm sure there were plenty of people along the way to try to change that release. But, you know, once it's in its muscle memory, it's just kind of there. Um, you can do drills. You can try to improve flexibility. But it, it doesn't always stick. So really, whatever we see in camp doesn't even matter to me. You know, when you're concentrating on your hips, when you're focusing on improving that in the drills, that doesn't matter. What I want to see is when he's in an actual game situation, both in preseason and the regular season, and he's not thinking about his hips and he's more thinking about what's going on in front of him on the field and he's trying to make a play, is that muscle memory showing up? Did he actually reprogram his body or not? A lot of quarterbacks can't do it. We'll see if he can. But either way, to me, his accuracy problems really did come from that. So until he does improve his muscle memory, that's, you know, the, the accuracy is going to rear its ugly head every now and then. You said in the video that, you know, you watched every single snap of Trubisky. And I believe it's like the first time you've watched every snap of a quarterback t- to do a breakdown. Um, so I'm kind of curious here because Trubisky had that one season under John Fox. And for us, it was kind of, it felt, you know, for Bears fans, like, they're holding Trubisky back. Uh, him and Dal Loggins really don't know what they're doing. And now you look with Matt Nagy. Do you do you think maybe John Fox had a little bit to do with maybe some of the issues that we saw with Trubisky in his second year? Um, it's possible. Really, I, I think a lot of the issues in terms of him processing plays quickly, uh, which again was probably my other main issue, is it looked like he was – thinking too much and trying to find the perfect read in a play rather than the first read in a play. You know, there's a lot of times where it's like, okay, you're given this picture pre-snap, you know what you're going to do, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, based on rotations you see, or if they just do a straight drop, they don't try to fool you. Like, you know what the read is before the snap, you know what the primary is after the snap, just do it. Uh, and it seemed like sometimes he was kind of holding it. He was taking a hitch. He was second guessing himself because he was trying to find the perfect throw rather than just the throw. So I think a lot of that comes down to it was his first year in the system, his first year with a few of those receiving options. Anthony Miller, obviously, he was a rookie. Um, And I think when you get into a second year of a system or a third year of a system in 2020, where I think, again, we're going to see another jump for him, you're, you're thinking less about finding the perfect throw and you're thinking more about instinctually you're playing within the framework of whatever the play design is. So as he gets more experience with these plays, he gets more experience running these plays against different looks, both in practice and in game situations. You know, every single rep teaches him about how to play within the framework of that design. So that's just something that comes with experience. Luckily, he is running the same offense that he did last year. He doesn't have to switch up offensive coordinators again like he did from year one to year two. So you do expect a lot of improvement there, but it's only going to come from experience. It can't come from anything else. Well, and something you brought up uh, when you're talking earlier, you're talking about, you know, his, his rookie year was different. His second year is going to be different, you know, and, and moving into his third year. So I'm kind of curious. I'm assuming you probably watched some of his rookie year. I mean, that was Oh man, that was that was rough. That was rough to watch in real time. It was rough to go back and watch. But I'm kind of curious to get your perspective on what is realistic to expect for him in 2019. I mean, obviously it's not going to be a Patrick Mahomes type jump, but like you said in your video, 
you think he can be a good quarterback. You think they can win a Super Bowl with him as a quarterback. What's it going to take? You know, do you think he can take that next step in 2019 to where they can be a true Super Bowl contender where he's not the one hampering them? Yeah, I, I think they're already Super Bowl contender. I mean, they were Super Bowl contenders last year, you know, problems and all. They were absolutely Super Bowl contenders. I feel like if they got past the Eagles in that game, they easily, easily could have given New Orleans or the Rams a run for their money all the way uh, to facing the Patriots, which I think would have been a fantastic rematch in the Super Bowl, considering their first game, I think, was a really good game. A lot of wacky stuff happened in that one. Um, so to me, like they're firmly in their window. It's no longer, Oh, can they take the next step? Like the next step for them is winning the Super Bowl. Like I'm skipping over the divisional round. I'm skipping over the championship. The next step for them is winning the whole thing. Cause they were already at that point to me. Uh, they got a little bit unlucky, but they were already there. So in terms of realistic expectations, uh, sorry about my dogs in the backyard there in terms of realistic <laughs> expectations, uh, you know, I would expect them to at least go to the divisional round. I would expect them to probably um, have a good chance of going to the championship. And, you know, once once kind of you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. But I would expect them to be there. I would expect Mitch to have probably about 4,500 yards, um, probably somewhere around 30, 32 touchdowns, maybe 10 to 14 interceptions. You know, I would expect that. a really good season. Maybe not first team all pro like a Pat Mahomes or, you know, Aaron Rodgers or God willing, because I'm a Texans fan to Sean Watson, but definitely Pro Bowl caliber, definitely firmly in the MVP discussion, depending on what the Bears record is. And definitely, again, a Super Bowl contender. So my expectations for them are sky high. There's there's no reason other than health that this team should miss the playoffs in my eyes. None. That's kind of refreshing to hear because it seems like everyone is like picking the Packers or Vikings to win the division. Uh, feels like the Bears aren't getting much respect. But, you know, going back to your video, you had three points of accuracy, decision making and then kind of producing while under pressure. Um, as far as accuracy, I want to kind of get your thoughts on this, because I think the general consensus among a lot of people is that Trubisky struggled with accuracy overall. But, you know, more so on deep passes. Um, you watched a couple couple games last year. He missed some wide open receivers uh, deep down the field. And I've been at training camp so far and in the training camp battles. I, I know you said you can't really judge too much on training camp with that stuff, but it seems like he's kind of got that same problem. But this year it's 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 more under throws. And I'm wondering, you know, what is that all mechanics? Is it, is it something with, you know, specifically the deep ball that, that he's just not doing right? You know, it, it could be something as simple as him trying to change his release points. Um, you know, maybe if there was like a coaching point about trying to avoid batted balls or, you know, maybe he's trying out different trajectories against different coverages. You know, if there's a linebacker there, you throw it at this tra- trajectory. If there's a safety coming over, from middle field versus hash versus number, you throwing it at a different trajectory. Like, you know, you're putting different levels of air on the ball based on a lot of different factors. So it's possible he's just trying to try some things out. Um, you know, I've talked to players in the past. They say uh, most bad plays in camp and in preseason are guys just trying to test what their limits are, test what they can do, test what they can't do. So then when they get into live action, they kind of know what their limitations are. They know, okay, you know, I'm significantly less accurate when I'm throwing a laser versus when I'm kind of floating it and leading it more and letting my guy run under it. 
Um, you know, maybe I'm struggling with a back shoulder ball if I'm throwing left versus throwing right. You know, this time of year, a lot of it is him just trying stuff out, you know, trying to nail down timing, trying to nail down placement. I'm not too worried about it. I would really only be worried about it is if we get into September and all of a sudden he's under throwing Anthony Miller by three yards. Like th- that's where the problem lies. But for now, uh, it's tough to really get worked up about it. So kind of moving away from Trubisky a little bit here, I, I kind of <clears throat> obviously, you, like you said, you watched every snap that Trubisky was in last year. So you got a pretty good look at the offense and outside of running back. I mean, things are really kind of the same. So is there one player on the offensive side of the ball, whether that be receiver, whether that be tight end that you think is in for a big year, or maybe even stood out to you last year, somebody that was maybe a little underappreciated? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, probably. Oh man, there's so many young weapons on that team. Uh, Allen Robinson, when he's healthy, is great at X receiver. He's a great jump ball specialist that you can throw it up to in the red zone. I'm just going to kind of run through everybody because uh, it's really hard for me to choose. Anthony Miller, I think, is going to be a phenomenal slot option for this team for a very long time. Uh, I think you can pretty much lock him in for 800 to 1,000 yards, probably close to eight or nine touchdowns, especially because they really like to use uh, receivers in the slot in the red zone, getting creative with them with flood concepts and stuff like that. So I think he's going to have a fantastic year. Got him on all my fantasy teams. Uh, Trey Burton, I think now that he's healthy, we're going to see him probably have the most productive season of his career. Um, and then obviously Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery are probably going to be the X factors for this offense because everything's going to be running through the run game. Uh, Montgomery picking up first and second down work, maybe a little bit of third down work, but most of that is going to go to Cohen. And obviously when you get both of them on the field in two back sets, I mean, I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do to stop that. So, I mean, this is the most weapons that I've seen on a Bears roster probably ever. And that's including, you know, the the Marshall Alshon Forte days, uh, which was one of the best triplets in the NFL at the time. And I think when you look at the entire collection of weapons the Bears have now, it's even better. So I really can't pin one guy down because they could attack you from every single angle in every single way and. I mean, shit, I, I don't know what defenses are going to do about that. Kind of to build off that, you said the Bears have so many weapons. And, and you look, and, and the RPO is you know, definitely turning upwards in the NFL. Do you think Matt Nagy is – you think we'll look back and be like, yeah, Matt Nagy was one of the innovators of, of, of this offense, and, and maybe someone we look back on that's like, damn, he was a great head coach. I think when you look at this – entire Andy Reid tree and all the talent that's come out of it in the last few years. I mean, obviously, Andy Reid himself is one of the best coaches in the history of the sport. Uh, One of his disciples, Doug Peterson, running virtually the same offense with a few different wrinkles, but virtually the same offense, just won a Super Bowl. I mean, Frank Reich turned around the Colts in one year and probably has the most creative run game in the league right now. And I'm including every other part of the Reid tree in that. I think Reich is the best at, uh, kind of designing a run game out of all of them. And then you got Nagy, who, you know, with a young quarterback who's still developing, he had some health issues with key weapons on offense. They were really digging deep in the bottom of the barrel to try to get stuff going. And he was pulling out some of the most masterfully, cleverly designed plays uh, to kind of, you know, get like that that touchdown to Seoul uh, um, in, in primetime was just a stroke of genius. Uh, how he was using... Um, you know, jumbo packages to compensate for a run game that was struggling at times. I mean, he's, I think Nagy's probably the biggest trickster out of all of them. You know, just super cheeky. He'll, he's not afraid to really 
just lay it all out in the line with stuff you've never seen before, which I, what I really love about him. Um, so when, I look, when you think you look at this Andy Reid tree in general, Nagy included, you're going to be looking back on those four guys, uh, Reed, Peterson, Reich, and Nagy as I think, I think one of the best foursomes in terms of coaches that we've ever seen, because they all run virtually the same system, but they all run it a little bit differently and they're all just phenomenal. That's some very high praise. Uh, I, <clears throat> I knew, I knew you like the bears in terms of what they're doing, but I wasn't expecting, uh, you know, this this rave of a review. I really don't have anything else for you. I don't know if Zach does, but I just want to tell you, man, you've been phenomenal and really appreciate having you on. Absolutely. Have me on any time. I, I do have one question here. I th- well, it's not really a question. It's actually kind of a statement. I think you're going to agree with me on this one. Soldier Field has the worst all-22 cameras in the NFL. You agree? Oh, God. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, I, I, like- I love I- – I'm a Texans fan, but I love doing Bears episodes because, weirdly enough, I have more Bears fans that follow me than any other team fan base. No idea how, but that's just kind of happened. But I also hate doing Bears episodes because the camera angles are just atrocious. Oh, my God. No idea where the cameras are. Like, I've, like, sat in the press box and been like, okay, where the heck are these cameras? It's like the 10th row. I swear to God. Like, you can't see anything. Yeah. It's so eh, – oh, man. It's so, and we actually – I forgot who asked the question. Someone actually asked Matt Nagy, um, you know, last season. They're like – they brought it up with the all-22 cameras. And he goes, yeah, we have the ones the coaches actually use, he said, are so much better. Because I guess he's seen both versions. And he says it's higher up on top of the stadium somewhere. So I know they have, like, multiple angles. I don't know why we don't get access to it. I, I'm actually curious if other NFL teams – if they have different, um, I think they, I think they've got their own database. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know what, what, you know, where the NFL is getting it from, but we gotta, we gotta get a new guy up there. Cause that's just ridiculous. <laughs> it is so bad. I've heard this from multiple people and I, I knew you were going to agree with me on it. I just, wow, it's bad. Um, yeah. Thanks again, man, for joining us. That was some good stuff. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? So you can follow me uh, at Brett Coleman. That's B-R-E-T-T-K-O-L-L-M-A-N-N. Uh, same thing on YouTube. Type in Brett Coleman or just type in probably the film room or Mitch Trubisky and, and my stuff will pop up near the top. Perfect. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I, I've subscribed to you on YouTube. It's it's some good stuff. And uh, hopefully you'll have some more Bears film uh, review later on in the season for us. Absolutely. Uh, if everything goes according to plan, I'll probably have an Akeem Hicks episode out sometime before Thanksgiving. That is going to be a re- I know a lot of Bears fans will tune in for that one. That'll be a really good one. Thanks again, man. We'd appreciate it. Thank you. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. Um, Aaron Lemming is also with me. And that was our interview with Brett Coleman, um, who runs a great YouTube channel, over 180,000 subscribers. Breaks down a lot of NFL film. Um, Aaron, I, I think that was one of our best and, and most fun interviews yet. 
I would absolutely agree. Uh, if you weren't drinking the Kool-Aid in the intro of this podcast, then you absolutely should be drinking the Kool-Aid after that Brett Coleman uh, interview. Yeah, it's just it's good to it's good to hear because like we like we kind of talked about. I mean, there's been a lot of nationally. There's been outside of what Lewis Riddick, maybe. I mean, and maybe Matt mm-hmm. Miller. I think Matt Miller's been pretty high on the Bears. I mean, a lot of people have smashed the Bears. Maybe it's just because they weren't very active this offseason. People overrated the hell out of uh, Adrian Amos, Bryce Callahan, and then leaving overrated the hell out of... I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Vic Fangio, but I I feel like people from the outside didn't really live the play-to-play, the week-to-week like we did with Vic Fangio. Because there was a lot of times that there was a high amount of the Bears fan base, including myself and including you, that were like, what the hell is Vic Fangio doing right now? And then there's other times when... Maybe he should have put his foot on the gas, and he didn't. You know, so it's I. I'm not going to say that Pagano is automatically going to be better, um, but I, I don't think that it's fair to look at the amount of talent the Bears have on this defense and then just be like, yeah, well, you know, they're going to take a big step back. It's like, well, but they still have multiple All Pros. They still have multiple Pro Bowlers on the defense. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I get it, and I get. This is a season of hot takes. This is a season of everybody's going to have a great season. Every every single fan base out there, maybe minus the Dolphins, maybe. Uh, I, I'm sure like every fan base out there probably has a high selection of people that believe that their team is making the playoffs this year. Um, I Obviously, I, I think we've kind of gone through that before where we thought the Bears were going to be a lot better than they were, you know, so on and so forth. But I think in terms of where the Bears are at right now, the Bears are a really damn good team. And I just – it gets frustrating, you know, to kind of see everybody smashing them. It's like they were 12-4 last year. They were a miss – they were a make kick away from at least getting to the NFC divisional round. I, I definitely agree with Brett in terms of I, – I absolutely think they would have beat the Rams. I think they would have had a little bit tougher of a time with the Saints. But the Saints were also weren't the same team in the playoffs that they were in the regular season. But that's beside the point. The good news is Brett Coleman's on board. Um uh, Excellent stuff with Trubisky. I think, you know, like we talked about, it was one of those situations where I, he said a lot of stuff that I think a lot of Bears fans have kind of been feeling. It's one of those I, – I, I've never told people to be overly high on Trubisky, like, yeah, he's going to be an MVP kind of level you know, player. He's ever going to you know, amount to the same thing as like what Patrick Mahomes did last year. But I do think that Trubisky is on the up and up, and I do think that he has the ability to be a top-10 quarterback and absolutely be a quarterback that the Bears can win a Super Bowl with. Um, and maybe because of, depending on how his performances are, you know, late in those games and in key situations. And I think a lot of Bears fans agree, and I think they were grateful at someone, you know, with the presence of, you know, Brett Coleman that wasn't ragging on Trubisky. Because I think of what Brett said, all, pretty much all of it was true about Trubisky, and I think a lot of Bears fans feel the same way. Yeah, he's a guy that struggled. Um, there's some things he needs to work on with his mechanics and his accuracy, things like that. But also at the same time, I mean, he's made some big plays, and he's sh- and he's shown you, yeah, I can do this. I can be a good quarterback in this league. And to have you know someone from the national media kind of say that and someone that's well known, it, it's very refreshing because you know you and I have talked about this off the air. It kind of feels like. The Bears are that trendy pick to, you know, that for national media to be like, oh yeah, this is the easy team to pick to 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 finish last or not make the playoffs this year. Last year was a fluke, and Coleman said himself, he said, yeah, the only way I don't see them getting better or being better than they were last year is injuries. And granted, the Bears were very lucky last year with injuries. Part of that's also Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy tra- changed the training um, cycle that the Bears use. They changed a lot of stuff in that area, and look, last year it paid off. I mean, everyone questioned, 
Matt Nagy, why aren't you playing the starters in week three of the preseason, the third game? Well, it was his decision, and guess what? It worked out. Look how many injuries are, there have been you know, through training camp and preseason. Preseason really doesn't matter for a lot of these guys. I mean, you look nationally. Julio Jones said he's sitting out the preseason. Um, I'd, I'd be shocked if Cleo Mack played more than, I think, I'd say even a quarter, just one quarter of the preseason. He might not even play it at all. I just I, I think the only thing that would kill the Bears would be injuries, and I hope they can avoid that devastating injury. Well, and, and the one thing to point out, though, I, I, will, I will agree that the Bears had good injury luck last year, fortune, whatever the hell you want to call it. But I would also caution some of these people that are like, well, the Bears were crazy healthy last year and they didn't have any injuries. Like, well, no, they still did because they still had Allen Robinson who missed, what was it, three or four games because he had the, the two that he, when he got hurt originally around the same time as Khalil Mack. I mean, Khalil Mack missed two games as well. He also had two games in which he really shouldn't have been out on the field. Um, and then you also had Bryce Callahan who, who missed the last little chunk of the year, Eddie Jackson who missed the last little chunk of the year, uh, I mean, there was, I mean, Kyle Long uh, was placed on IR and brought back. I mean, there was, like, let's let's not act like there wasn't injuries. And that's the thing. Like, I'm not saying that they didn't have good injury luck because they did. They didn't place a lot of guys on IR. But let's also just kind of remember the fact that they did have injuries. And they, they like you just pointed out, they handled them the right way. They, they, they turned situations that could have been much worse, played them conservatively at the time, and I will admit some of that was absolutely a gamble, but they obviously made the right gamble. Uh, but they did have injuries. I mean, it's not – I mean, even Trubisky. I mean, Trubisky missed two games. I mean, that's that's the thing that maybe a lot of people uh, don't really remember. I mean, he missed two games. The starting quarterback missed two games. I mean, it's not like they didn't have injuries. It was just how they managed those injuries. Like, So let's say, you know, Trubisky's – Trubisky goes out there, uh, you know, in that Thanksgiving game or maybe even the week the, the week later, gets hit the wrong way, and then he's lost for the season, and then they're stuck with Chase Daniel starting at quarterback. I mean, it's just sometimes it's how they're handling it. And, like, and I think you bring up a really good point in how they handle it, how they handle the preseason. A lot of people freaked out about all that. It's just it's kind of the point where the Bears went 12-4 last year. They should have made it farther in the playoffs. And I, can, I kind of think it's one of those situations where obviously injuries are going to happen, and sometimes it's out of your control. But at the same time, I think the Bears are at a point right now where you can confidently say, trust them, trust what they're doing, trust their plan. You know, we, we, we saw it happen last year. We saw everything in action. It worked out really well. Like I said, they went 12 and four. Trust them this year. Whatever they decide to do in the preseason, not a big deal. Whatever they decide to do in the regular season with some of these injured players or how safe they want to play them, just trust what they're doing. And Matt Nagy said it at the uh, pre-training camp press conference. They already have a plan in place. So what that tells me is I'm betting that the starters probably play the first couple series of the first one. They'll probably play a first couple series of the second game, and then they're going to be done for the rest of the preseason. And also another interesting thing that, that they did address is, you know, when Nagy was asked, you know, are you going to put your kickers in a situation um, in preseason to kind of test them out because it's actual live game reps? Um, and, and he all but said, yeah, I mean, we're probably going to put them in these situations where, you know, our offense, maybe we'll call a run play on third and, you know, eight and not pick it up, pick up the first down rather than throw to kind of give our kickers a, a chance in by having the second, third teams out there. I think the kickers have a better chance of getting more reps because, you know, they're not, they're not, they might not move the ball as efficient as the first team does. And I would be, if, if Matt Nagy came out today and said, look, we're not even going to play the starters in training camp. I'd be like, okay, it's a little odd, but I or in preseason, it's a little odd, but I I still trust him. Like you said, 
they've earned our trust. I think Matt Nagy's really earned our trust through whatever decision he makes. You can't be like, oh, man, that's a terrible decision. That's just god-awful, um, you know, playing-wise. I think he's very he's, he's earned that trust very much, and, and it just it wouldn't shock me if a lot of the players we didn't see in, in uh, preseason. I'm fine with that. Honestly, I really am. I'm, fine. I don't yeah. really, I'm more worried about, and I think this will probably be a really nice bridge into uh, the training camp talk, I'm more worried about – what the what the depth is looking like, what some of these other guys look like. I mean, we kind of talked about it at the beginning. You know, there's there's a lot of different battles going on that aren't starting battles, and that's not a bad thing. And I think getting an idea on some of these guys, some of these undrafted rookies, some of the rookies in general. I mean, we're gonna get to see David Montgomery not only in pads, but we're actually gonna get to see David Montgomery out on the field. We'll get to see Mike Davis out on the field. Uh, you know, Duke Shelley. Same thing with Riley Ridley whenever he comes back. So I mean, I think this is really just it's it's a situation where you know, this this is more about the future. This is more about what they have behind those starters. And I think, you know, we can obviously dive into a little bit of this because I, I think everybody's kind of, you know, starving for information at this point. Um, but, I mean, is there anything that's really stood out to you so far in training camp that has been a surprise to you at all? Uh, surprise? Not too much, to be honest. I I am actually a little surprised that both kickers have pretty much matched each other. Um, I I just thought for whatever reason I thought we'd have like a clear um, favorite early on. I don't think there's a clear favorite right now. Um, as far like any other surprises, not really. I mean the defense is just out there. They're flying all over the field. Like you know, Cleo Mack is in the backfield almost every other play. The secondary is balling out. Um, I guess you know we're actually surprised. Um, Kevin Tolliver, John Franklin look really good as the backup um, defensive backs. I know we mentioned it before, but now Franklin is taking majority of his reps in training camp um, at defensive back. Uh, I might have been a safety once or twice during a couple drills. Um, but yeah, I mean Tolliver and and uh, Franklin both had really have had standout days alone. Um, Franklin was looked really good in the rain on Monday. He had an interception, a couple pass breakups, and then Tolliver. The first two days of practice, I thought was one of the standouts in the secondary. So I think the depth behind um, the DBs, Kyle Fuller and, and um, Prince of Mukamura and Buster Scrine, have actually been a surprise to me because I, I really didn't expect much from them. I know they're trying to groom Tolliver to kind of be that Prince of Mukamura replacement eventually, but I'm, I've been impressed with um, both of their play. The rookie Duke Shelley's look good. I don't think he's done enough yet to consider it a legit competition for to take over for Buster Scrine. I think Buster Scrine's had a couple good games. I think just Buster's got to have just an awful camp, and Duke has to have just a tremendous camp for Buster, or, you know, barring any injury, for Buster not to be the opening day um, nickel corner. I think the Bears are going to go with the veteran. And, and I don't think Buster's done anything so far to lose his job, and I don't think Shelley's done anything that so far to take over his job. Uh, I thought that'd be a little more of a competition going in. The wide receiver depth is everything as advertised. I mean, you now you have a guy like Thomas Ives who's making plays out there who's like, hey, don't forget about me. Um, and he's taking advantage with Riley Ridley sitting out. And um, there's another receiver sitting out, and I'm blanking on his name. Uh, is it Lambert? Jordan uh, Williams. Yeah, too. Jordan Williams Lambert. Yeah, he's been sitting out. So there's, there's plenty more reps to go around. Um, yeah, man, I just – as far as surprises, I don't think anything's really been like that, that surprising, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I get you. I, I do think one of the things, obviously I'm not there, but one of the things that you kind of hit on that 
We can have a talk about whether we want to or not, but I think it's more in a positive manner. It's a kicking situation. I will admit, I'm pretty damn surprised that both of these guys have started off as well as they have. I'm also, again, like you just pointed out, I'm surprised that somehow both of these guys have both missed three kicks apiece in their, in their you know, overall in their two sessions. I mean, it's we we know their strengths, we know their weaknesses. I mean, they are literally exact opposite kickers. I mean, we kind of touched on this last podcast. I mean, if you combine the two kickers together, you probably have one of the better kickers in the league, but you can't do that. So now you got two guys, and you got to figure out who can develop better at the at their weakness is that going to be uh you know is that going to be Pinheiro is, is his consistency as a mechanics going to turn around and, and and be better or is Fry going to you know somehow get a better leg and so I'm kind of curious I I would like you know not a play-by-play by any means but I think it would be good to kind of get your perspective on the kicking situation and kind of just your overall breakdown of how things have gone so far because I mean we can see numbers we can you know we can see the excuses of who did what in the rain and you know they they both missed three kicks and all these long kicks and whatever else but I mean there's there's got to be more I would assume there's got to be more detail to the kicking position than just the numbers alone would suggest right yeah um yeah so I've I've seen the excuse of the rain thrown out there um on one of his misses Fry did slip. Um, the other day on Monday, the other miss. So he missed two kicks on Monday. Actually, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I tweeted it out, but so day one that Elliot Fry kicked, he missed one. Day two, Eddie Pinero kicked, he missed one. Day three, Fry missed two, Pinero missed two. So it's like they're literally like mashing each other outside of the distances, like perfect with the misses. Um, yeah. So Monday was Elliot Fry's day to kick, and I've seen that excuse of. It's it's valid. It was awful conditions. Um, he slipped on one of the attempts in a line drive miss. The attempt before that he did miss, though, was in question because they had referees out there. The referees said it was no good. Chris Tabor was yelling, saying, no, that was a good kick. And Chris Tabor was right behind Elliot Fry when he was kicking. So that's another one. I mean, we have it all jotted down as the miss because we went by the refs, um, by the refs' judgment. So, yeah, I mean, I just – it's 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 gone better than I thought it would. I thought, like I mentioned, that one kicker would probably just be falling behind. They're dead even. I think Panero obviously has a stronger leg. Fry's more accurate um, on his kicks. But, I mean, Fry hit that, what, 60-yarder. So it's not like his leg is anything that's like, oh, man, he's got a weak leg. He did hit a 60-yarder in, in, in his first day. Panero obviously one-upped him by 63. And I, I love Panero's comment. We were talking to him on the side. He said, yeah, um, it was either Tabor or Nagy said, okay, we're going to go from 60. He goes, no, we made it from 60 yesterday. We're going to try 63. Boom, drilled it. And he had two to three yards at least minimum. That thing would probably would have gone in from 65 to 67 yards, which is crazy. And it wasn't one of those run-up kicks we've seen from him on his videos where he's booting it 72 yards. It's actually a field goal attempt. Um, as for anything else with the kicking situation, um, you know, obviously the the conditions Monday were a little bad for Fry. Um, other than that, though, it, it's it's pretty basic. I mean, it's pretty much what you're seeing on Twitter, what you're hearing on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's it's. It, I will say this: the team is pretty fired up that these kickers are actually going out there and kicking well. Well, that is, yeah, that's that. Well, I mean, it's that's the thing, I and mean, we've we've kind of talked about this, you know, off the cuff a little bit, and you know, other people have kind of chimed in with their opinions as well. But it's like. Yeah, the kicking situation is annoying. Uh, it's kind of annoying to talk about, but it's also really damn important for this team. I mean, we saw just how important it was last year. So, 
the the one thing I am kind of curious about just before we move away from the kickers, though, is I, everything that I've read and everything that I've seen so far. Because like you said, you know, um, Fry did have a 60-yarder. But then he had the, what was it, the one in the rain from like 47, 48 out where it looked yeah. like, it, at least it sounded like it barely went in, right? Uh, the, the rain one that barely went in? Yeah, yeah there but, was one. There was one that he had. A, it was his first attempt. Let me. I actually have my notebook here. I'm going through it. Um, yeah, it was his first attempt that barely made it in. 47 or 48. You see, so that would be my concern versus a guy like obviously Pinheiro. I mean, we've we've talked about their weaknesses and their strengths, but at least from what I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Pinheiro's 63 yarder have enough distance to probably make it from another three or four yards out? Yeah, yeah, it would have it would have been 66, 67 at least. So that's, so that's kind of my – that would be my concern with Fry, right, is you're not really worried about September. You're not remotely worried about September. You're probably not worried about October. You may not even be worried about maybe, you know, one or two games in November. But that last stretch in November and in December and hopefully in January when you're going to be mainly playing outdoor games, my concern with a guy like Fry in conditions like that is if he's barely making 48 yards – I mean, you'd have to think, even if it's cold, even if it's wet or whatever with Pinero, you know that he's going to have the leg to at least get it from probably mid-50s, even in bad weather. That would be my concern with a guy like Fry personally. Yeah, so I do have it 47 in my notebook. Again, it's very tough to tell um, when we're sitting up there. So what it kind of is is there's in the media section, we kind of just all agree on one distance. So um you know, it's it's, it's hard because we're at an angle, so it's hard to see exactly where. But for the most part, we're pretty damn accurate, and we try to confirm it with Matt Nagy after. Um, so, yeah, we had 47 the first attempt, barely made it through the crossbars. It probably was inches off from being a miss. And I think those are valid concerns because I think when you look and, – and correct me if I'm wrong here. Didn't Ryan Pace say in one of his, press, his postseason press conference that leg strength was one of the most important things? Leg strength was the one thing out of this entire kicking process that he highlighted. Is yes, is, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely, you're 100 percent correct on that. So that I mean, that's got you know Ryan Pace said that he thinks are dead even going into training camp. And you and I talked last week. I don't think. I mean, that's just an answer he's going to get in the media. I think in his brain, I mean, you have to think Panero's got to be the favorite, especially after you hit that 63 yarder. And and Ryan Pace is out there watching all yeah. of this. He's out there watching all of it. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, you're talking, I mean, you just kind of got done talking about it. Mental makeup, man. I mean, like, Pinero's like, borderline cocky. Like, at least from everything yeah. I've seen and heard from him, like, he is borderline. He's a very confident dude. And the other thing, and you pointed this out last week, I mean, he was a guy that walked into Florida after going to junior college as a nobody, as a soccer player, walks into Florida and be like, yeah, you know, they had kicking issues at Florida, keep in mind. He walks in and he goes, not only am I going to – come in and step into a situation where it's very hostile towards kickers. I'm going to take Tim Tebow's number. I'm going to take Tim Tebow's beloved number 15 at Florida and wear this thing as a kicker. I mean, this dude's got some damn ball. I mean, he even said it was funny because when he was asked about basically how how he felt if the Raiders gave up on him or whatever it was, and he was more pissed off about the compensation, the fact that it was a conditional 2021 seventh-round pick he said that the Raiders gave him away for pennies. At least to me, that's exactly if, – if this competition's even close, that's exactly the kind of kicker I want on this team. This is exactly the kind of guy that I want in those situations where he's out there and he knows he's going to make it. Unlike Cody Parkey, who was 
mentally yeah. about tough as a tissue. So in my mind, I mean, I'm, and I'm not, that's not anything against Fry, but I think when you, if, if this thing's close between the leg strength and the mental makeup, uh, assuming that one of these guys is, is even the answer. I mean, we don't even know that yet. Assuming one of these guys is the answer, I would absolutely think that Pinheiro has got to have the leg up just by default right now. Yeah, I, I mean, he's got that swagger, man. You could just tell he's got, like, it's 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 kind of like you want that from a kicker. You want to be confident and have that swagger from a kicker. And kind of before, you know, we'll wrap up the kicker situation um, with this. I actually hopped over to the uh, Florida – um, message board, the premium board for uh, 24-7 Sports and Scout. And I was like, you know, I dropped a line saying, if you guys have any questions about former Gators, Jonathan Bullard or Eddie Pinero, let me know. And I got talking to some of them, and they said their kicker situation was so bad. And Pinero said this too. They had open tryouts on campus, okay? Their kicker that Pinero said was just really bad, awful, he was a dentist. He went to school at Florida to become a dentist, and just, hey, he won a kicker competition. It was the kicker right before Pinero got there. And some of the posters told me that Eddie was a, literally a rock star. When he arrived and was making field goals, everyone was going nuts. It was like you you thought this guy was like a like a five-star quarterback, number one overall recruit. That was just big man on campus like as a kicker, which is crazy because it kind of goes back to his – maybe that's where he got his swagger from. Exactly, and that's, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean the dude the, – that's the kind of mental makeup you want from a kicker. We'll move on from the kicking situation. Uh, I mean, I'm, I don't really think we have that much left to cover. The yes, one, please. No more kicker today. <laughs> the, the only other thing I think everybody really kind of wants to know, and it's something that we covered with Brett, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, that is not Patrick Mahomes, that is not Deshaun Watson. He is Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback of the Bears. I, I think some, hopefully some fans are kind of finally starting to accept that a little bit. I'm curious uh, – so I've seen mixed reviews. I've seen mainly fans tweeting that he looks a lot better. And then I've seen more people, you know, let's just say writers uh, that have kind of taken a more balanced approach saying he's getting in and out of the huddle quicker. He's doing the small things better. But in terms of actually like when you're looking at him, like just, let's just say you're playing the film from last year in training camp to this year back to back and you're just purely looking at his throws and his consistency, there's not a ton of difference. What's your overall evaluation? It's only been a few practices so far, but so far, where are you at with Trubisky? Yes, that what you just said, I am on board with that. I don't. So the, the, the article was the hub arcish one where he said it, Trubisky's looks like the same guy's training camp, which I think is fair to say because I don't think Hub's saying, oh man, he, he like stinks. He doesn't look good. I, from what I've taken away from Mitchell Trubisky, no, I have not seen anything in his game, um, th you know, throws, stuff like that, where he is showing me, yep, this guy is definitely taking the next step and he is definitely on his way to becoming a top 10 quarterback. I don't think that means he can never be that. I think it's just so far in camp, you haven't seen that big standout where he's not underthrowing receivers or he's not missing bad on some throws. To just kind of break it down simple from what I've seen from Trubisky, Friday at the closed session, he was good. Saturday at the first open session, he was good. I had him as an okay grade on Sunday, and I thought Monday in the rain was his worst day at camp so far. It was raining. It was wet. I understand. 
However, there were some underthrows. He did have a night. He didn't. And, and okay. And so like, there's underthrows, but it's not like he's five, six throws in a row that are really bad. It's there's an underthrow. There's maybe like an overthrow. There's just kind of a bad, inaccurate pass, like one or two. And then he comes back and fires two, three good passes. So it's not like he's been consistently bad. He also hasn't been like consistently super good. Where like, you, okay, this guy's a top ten quarterback. Um, yeah, it's just what I see, and I tend to agree with that article, at least the title of it. He's still underthrowing on the deep route, um, and it goes back to what Coleman was saying: the hips in his video. If you watch his hips, they are not where they're supposed to be when that ball's released, and that can tremendously impact the accuracy of your throws. Um, you know, the footwork is kind of struggling sometimes. And we saw that last year with his deep ball, his foot's not planted in the right spot. Um, he's kind of throwing on the run, uh, which actually throwing on the run, he's, he's pretty damn accurate, but you know, there's two different types of like throwing on the run there. Some of it can be really bad if you're not, if your body's not turned the right way. Um, yeah, I just, I think he looks good. He doesn't look though, like that quarterback that's like, yep, Okay, he's definitely taking that next step, but also at the same time, you're probably not going to see that in training camp because it's training camp. You're going to see that week one, week two of the regular season, week three. By week four, you're going to get a general idea of where Mitchell Trubisky's at. To kind of build off that, though, I do agree that, yes, he's taking command of the huddle. He's talking with receivers more. He's becoming that leader more. So he's definitely growing in that area, which I think is going to lead to his play being a lot better. I think that's fair, and I, th- I think that's kind of where, uh, you know, a lot of fans have to understand, including myself at times, where it's just, it's going to be a little bit of an up-down product, because they still are installing things. I mean, they're going through different things, they're trying different things out right now, so it's just one of those situations where it's going to be a little up and down. Really, what it comes down to is, he needs to be better when it counts, and that we're really not going to see that until the regular season. So, we'll kind of get off that topic, and, and I guess we'll and, kind of- Well, the one, sorry, the one thing I do want to say, though, is... This secondary has been really damn good in training camp. So, you know, he is going up against a really good, probably, the, you know, the best defense in the NFL. And there are times where he's going to struggle, but you also have to look. It's like Eddie Jackson flew to the sideline and made a great play to pick off a pass. Like, that's Eddie Jackson. That might not be, you know, haha Clinton Dix or Adrian Amos or the starting safety for the, um, you know, whoever, the the Denver Broncos or Detroit Lions and whatever week they play them. So, I mean, yeah, there's been some throws where Trubisky's been sailing them and underthrowing them. And yeah, there's been a couple of interceptions. There's also been an interception that bounced off a receiver's hand. So it's just hard to judge because like you said, you know, I mean, a lot of the reaction has been good on Twitter, but it's like how many people are actually going to sit there that are Bears fans and say, yeah, Trubisky looks like, you know, doesn't look good right now. Or he made a bad throw. You're going to get more of the, the content that, yeah, and there's no disrespect to anyone. I'm not trying to take a shot at anyone, but it's going to be, you know, people are more off the tweet, you know, Trubisky made a good throw. And sometimes, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. There's probably been a couple of throws that I haven't really documented that I thought were not really good either. Yeah, that, and that makes sense. And I think, you know, it was like a few people pointed out too, a short and intermediate game has been a lot more crisp. I think it's just more of him dialing in the deep ball. And Brett kind of covered that a little bit in terms of, it's going to take him a little bit to kind of get things figured out. He's probably messing with different release points and stuff like that. So all in all, this may just be a complete part of the process, and there may be absolutely nothing to worry about. He could come out week one and look like a completely different quarterback in a really good way. So 
obviously this has been a, a pretty jam-packed episode i'm sure we probably better get out soon so i'm kind of curious is there anything else uh you know I, I know we haven't really covered everything but is there anything else that stood out to you anything else that you want to cover any players anything like that that uh you have notes on that maybe you know people people should know one way or another about yeah um I mean, I think the running backs all look really good. I think it's going to be fun to see how Matt Nagy kind of deploys them. Um, I've said in the past it would not shock me if <clears throat> excuse me, if all um, three run the field at the same time. Um, you know, the kind of the chemistry between Mitch and his receivers I think is growing. I talked to Javon Wims about it. He said he thinks his chemistry with, with Mitch is getting a lot better. Um, and, and to kind of go back to that point where he's kind of taking command of the huddle, Javon told me that Mitch Trubisky is one of the big guys that set up those offseason workouts in California with the receivers. So, I mean, this is something you want to see him taking command of the huddle. Uh, to go back to Wims, I mean, Wims has been arguably one of the better players on offense. I think he's going to be due for more reps this season if he keeps us up in training camp. But he's been consistent. It hasn't been like, oh, he had one good practice and then a couple of spotty ones. No, he's been pretty damn good almost all the practices. Um, a veteran I've kept an eye on. Uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, I think, has a shot to make this roster. He's been pretty good um, so far in camp. Um, man, I'm going to butcher the name again. I did it last week. Joel Ebuniwe. Yes, we'll call him Iggy from now on. Um, he's looked good. I think he's got a shot at at get at being, um, you know, climbing up the depth chart a little bit. He'll be behind, obviously, um, Mack and uh, Floyd and probably Lynch. Um, other than that, man, no, just kind of like looking through the, 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 uh, my notebook. I mean, it's just, I think overall, I think this looks like a team that's ready to take that next step and, and be a legit Super Bowl contender. Anthony Miller looks healthy. He's out there making plays. They're taking it slow with Emmanuel Hall. Um, oh, you know what? We haven't, we didn't talk Adam Shaheen. That's, that's been a big storyline with the sore back, um, at training camp. You know, Haha returned practice for the first time on, um, Tuesday, he'll be set to go the rest of the way. But yeah, man, Adam Shaheen, is, it feels like a setback for a guy that's going into a very important year. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I've never really been a big Adam Shaheen guy. I think the Bears put a little too many eggs in the basket in terms of uh, relying on him and Trey Burton this year. I'm not really doing much else at tight end. So, oh, man, I, I, I hope that when practice starts back up because we're recording this on a Wednesday night. So hopefully Thursday night or Thursday morning, tomorrow morning, uh, you know, probably going to be after a lot of you are listening to this, but hopefully that first practice back from the break, he'll be back out there because I mean, it's just getting to a point where it's, this is turning into like Kevin white type territory where it's like, anytime he steps on the field, he hurts himself. And anytime that he's not hurting himself on the field, he's really not being all that impactful. And the main reason behind that is if you aren't on the field, you can't develop. And, you know, I thought that it was a pretty bad pick. I mean, obviously, Ryan, you know, everybody's going to have those picks. I'm not, like, killing this pick by any means. I'm just saying I didn't particularly think Shaheen was a good pick to begin with, especially at the value in the second round, even after trading down like they did. Uh, but we're quickly reaching Kevin White territory to where if the guy can't stay healthy, I would rather them obviously see how this year goes. But, I mean, if he can't be relied upon this year, I don't see any reason why you count on him at all next year whatsoever. I mean, but it's still early. He can come back. This could just be a little minor thing, and he comes back and he has a healthy year, and we're not talking about this two or three weeks from now. But 
unfortunately, this is kind of going to be something that is in the back of a lot of Bears fans' heads because the guy simply cannot stay on the field. And I will say this, uh, driving to Bourbon A, I did hear Ryan Pace on um, the Mullion Hall show before training camp. This was Monday. He was on it. I believe he said that they don't think it's a serious injury for Shaheen. So that tells me that they definitely expect him back for training camp. But he's also – he's kind of like Emmanuel Hall. He's probably going to get a couple of days off, uh, you know, practice one day, get a day off when he does return. Uh, it, it's a shame too because, I mean, like he's got the body to be the perfect tight end in this offense. Like he could be like the, the big body target down the field for you in the red zone, over the middle, to the sideline. And then he could also be a solid blocker for you too. So it's just – yeah, if you, if you go back, you want to change, you'd probably draft George Kittle, right? Yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably what the best tight end in that entire class so far. He was, what, fifth round? Fourth, fourth round. Fourth round? Yeah, fourth round? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, we can't go back, but, I mean, Jesus, just imagine George Kittle on this offense. Yeah, that'd be even and, more weapons than they already have, and, yeah, he's dude's a stud. Well, him and Mitch are like boys, too, apparently. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I, I think really the big theme of this is there's a lot more positive than there is negative. Unlike 2014 when everybody was expecting big things in Tresman's second year and everything fell apart. So I think that's kind of the good thing to take away is the fact that there's a lot of positive stuff going on. Knock on wood, so far there's been no serious injuries. So I mean at least they're in good shape there. So we'll just have to uh, we'll just have to. Let's have to see how it progresses. I mean, really, we're, we're not going to know a lot until we start getting into the uh, the preseason. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, there's, there's, what, just about seven, eight days left to practice. Um, they do return on Thursday. They'll have Thursday, Friday. They'll have their family night. Then they'll be off. Return Monday. Um, I believe next week is the final day. They'll have their preseason game against the Panthers. And I want to say they wrap up training camp a week from this Saturday. So, yeah, we'll see, man, but it, it's quickly approaching. Um, I'm just glad we have a lot more football stuff to talk about now, even if it – you know, I actually don't mind talking to kickers now because it's it's been a fun story to actually cover uh, in training camp. And it's actually been pretty positive so far too, which is good because looking at the Cleveland situation, even really Green Bay situation right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. A lot worse, at least, at least to start off camp. So, I mean, at least the Bears aren't there, but that also means that they're – not only is there probably not going to be one of those options if the Bears kicking competition doesn't work out, but there's going to be probably another team at least that's going to be uh, in the market for a kicker. So that's definitely something to kind of keep an eye on as well. Yeah, we'll see if, if one of these two guys emerges as the winner or if the Bears you know, do go that veteran route or go with a uh, player's cut and they bring them on before week one. I probably would prefer them, one of these kickers, to uh, win the job outright. So we'll see. Um yeah, thanks again, Aaron, for joining me on this episode of the Bear Report Podcast. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can read his work on the Bear Report. You can find me at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. And you can read my work on the Bear Report. And we'll be back next week with another training camp update. Uh, enjoy.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.